Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. It's Monday the 8th of August. Coming up, stats claim patients are waiting more than two weeks for a routine GP appointment. If we're not careful and we don't do something, general practice will slowly collapse and that will cause a problem for the whole of the NHS, not just patients coming to their GP. More events need to be held to make sure LGBTQ people in Kent feel safe. The scene is definitely happening and it's it's quite uh, supportive of itself and people are going to each other's things and making sure that everyone can have a night and create space that people feel welcome. Disappointment for Jills in their first home game of the season. It ended up a scrappy game for us you know, that, 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 that they, they really controlled for large periods and, uh, and that's a disappointment. Kent Online reports. Well a top story today is all about how long you're having to wait to get a GP appointment. A survey today suggests the typical wait has now topped two weeks for the very first time. The government though is disputing those figures saying two in three appointments actually happen within six seven days of being booked. Well, Dr Julian Spinks is a GP based in Stroud. He's been chatting to Ish about the data. I think this definitely reflects uh, what's happening in general practice. Um, This is looking at routine appointments rather than urgent ones. And it also excludes people who've been told to come back perhaps in a month. Um, And it is the first time it's gone past two weeks. It reflects the struggle we have in general practice to actually be able to meet the demand as we've got a population which is getting older, it's growing in number and with more complex medical needs. Um, By contrast, actually, we do quite well in urgent care. About 40% of all the appointments we hand out are actually same day. So people who need things quickly tend to get them. It's when you need that more uh, routine care where you're happy to book further ahead that the times are going up. I mean, waiting times is something that is talked about a lot. And obviously, if it has certainly reached this stage, how concerning is that for you know regular patients? And certainly if this waiting time continues to exceed such record length. I, I feel people need to be reassured that if there's an urgent need, you'll still be seen. But it is a concern for ongoing care, considering that the big plan is to move more care out of hospitals and into the community and to GP practices. The fact that we don't have the premises, we don't have the doctors and we don't have the capacity to see people means those plans will come to nothing. And for individuals needing ongoing care, that is a worrying prospect. And I should point out the Department of Health, they're actually disputing the polls saying they only represents a small fraction of GPs and they're saying that two in three appointments are made within seven days of uh, the booking. Where do you sort of go with that? The department does its own survey and uh, they are different types of survey. Uh, The department actually asked people when they had their last appointment how long they waited and it's clear from that that a lot of people do get seen quickly. However, the problem is the department's own survey is very bad at actually predicting how long you wait for a routine non-urgent appointment. And this gives a better idea. And because it's been done year after year, we can see the trend that is happening and definitely the wait seems to be getting longer. I increasingly have patients come in saying that they've waited a long time to see me. And that's something that didn't happen before. And I'm sure that uh, things like uh, doctors retiring within the practice, meaning we have fewer doctors, um, the fact that we have got more people needing very complex long appointments as well, all are adding up to make it more difficult to get access to me. And talking to my colleagues across Kent, it's a very similar picture. If we're not careful and we don't do something, general practice will slowly uh, collapse and that will cause a problem for the whole of the NHS, not just patients coming to their GP. About 90% of the care provided 
in the NHS, happens in the community, particularly in general practice. And so the whole of the NHS relies on that capacity being there. If it starts to disappear, we start to see pressure on other areas such as A&E, and we know the problems that has. So it is so important that we support general practice and keep it working properly for the whole NHS. And what would be your advice for people who have to wait, uh, you know, if they do have to wait more than two weeks? I mean, depending on obviously how sort of dire their needs are, I mean, what, what would be your advice to them? Do they have alternatives within that time to try and resolve their own issues? I think we have to ask patients to use general practice wisely. So if you have something which is minor that might be dealt with by a pharmacist, then go and seek help from that person. If you just want advice whether you need to see somebody or not, then we've got NHS 111. And uh, do talk to the practice. Let the receptionist know what sort of problem you have because they are trained to make sure that people are prioritised so that the right sort of people are seen urgently. Uh, but I do apologise on behalf of GPs that sometimes people wait longer than I would like, um, but there's nothing we can do unless we have more GPs and more resources. Kent Online reports. A woman's feared dead after a search of the channel was called off. The Coast Guard began the hunt on Friday after 20 suspected migrants were spotted in a small vessel, but Coast Guard and the Home Office confirmed the search ended in the sea near Ramsgate yesterday. As part of the original incident, 19 people were rescued and transferred to immigration officials. A man's been taken to hospital after being injured with a broken bottle during an attack in Gillingham. Police were called to a disturbance in Livingston Road late on Saturday night. The man who's in his 50s has now been allowed home and is thought to know the suspect. Two people have been arrested after immigration officials raided a nail salon in Dover. Customers were reportedly being treated when they visited Regal Nails on London Road over the weekend. A man and woman from Vietnam were found to be working illegally. Kent Online's been told more still needs to be done to make sure LGBTQ people in Kent feel safe. A music night's been held as Pride events in Margate came to an end over the weekend. Most recent figures suggest the number of hate crimes nationally on the grounds of sexual orientation has risen by 27%. Well, Jordan Lenny is part of a band who performed at the event over the weekend. He moved to Kent a couple of years ago and has been speaking to Ollie about his experiences here. The scene is definitely high. Happening and it's it's quite uh, supportive of itself and people are going to each other's things and making sure that everyone can have a night and create space that people feel welcome and able to get their voices heard. Yeah. So and then now it's happening. You say it's happening in these areas, not just on the eve of Pride. Yeah. Because often that's what it used to be, wouldn't it? It would only happen around that that sphere of week of Pride events, but now it's happening kind of. Yeah, and I think, uh, and we do a lot of stuff with the team from Margate Pride, and I think there is a definite feeling from everyone that it needs to be an all-year-round effort to have spaces that are safe for people to come and be however they want to be, and you know where we're talking about issues that are that are affecting us all year round, and not just in the week of Pride where it's nice to dress up and and you know. It's great that all of the shops have their flags out and everyone is very supportive, but for the rest of the year, it can be quite hard to be kind of queer in a small town that, you know, has had a lot of issues around that. So yeah, there's a definite effort to make it not just the week of Pride, or not just the month of Pride, but, but to create these spaces that are here to stay. 
And, and you say you moved to, how long did you move to Margate? How long Two and a half years ago. Have you seen much change in that, in, the, in people's perceptions of things since you've been here? Yeah, I mean, I, when we first moved, I, people said that there was a bit of tension towards people that were moving into the area. And they said, you know, that DFLs down from London and all of this. But actually, we didn't, we didn't come up against that much at all. Um, I think there's been a development of the area with, you know, places like this becoming painted and they're putting more effort into making things look a little nicer. But I think generally it's been quite welcoming and that community, like the, one of the first meetings that we had where we met people was a Margate Pride meeting for 2016, I think, 2017. And we just went into this bar and sat down and met everyone and it was just like very welcoming. And it's been sort of been like that the whole time. Yeah. I found people to be, yeah, welcoming and fine and lovely. I think that DFL thing is, um, it's a bit of a fallacy. Really. It's not really people a thing. Like to throw it out I've totally not had it. And, and there is like, you know, I, I certainly uh, notice myself getting noticed walking around. If I'm wearing a dress or if I'm wearing a skirt or if I've got my hair down, there's definitely like, people haven't necessarily seen that around, but I've not really had kind of hostility about that. Like we were in the Weatherspoons on the seafront and I was wearing a dress and there was a group of sort of big biker looking kind of tough blokes. And I went to the bar and as I walked past them, they all looked and I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna say something. And then he said, I like your kilt. And I was like, I'm gonna make a point and say, this isn't a kilt, it's a dress, it's a skirt, and that's how I want it. You don't need to make it more masculine by calling it a kilt. And I said that to him, thinking that I'd get some negative reaction. And he just said, whatever it is, you look lovely in it. And I was like, quite pleasantly surprised that, like people like notice you and they often wanna say something, but it's not always a hostile thing. They're just maybe curious that they've not seen a man in a dress before or someone with long pink hair and a beard it's, it's like yeah it's just a little different that's one of the nicest stories thing i've ever heard about it was lovely it was i honestly i honestly thought that it was going to be like ah oh, i shouldn't have come in this weather spoons in this dress but it was it was lovely. Kent Online News. A man who attacked four railway officials after being caught without a ticket at Chatham Station has been jailed. Maidstone Crown Court heard how the 28-year-old became violent when he was asked to leave while trying to get to Canterbury to see his child. He's been jailed for two years after admitting four assaults. Firefighters say they've been making steady progress at a bomb fire in Ash near Sandwich 24 hours after first being called there. The building contained 800 tonnes of straw along with farm machinery. Two engines were still at the scene earlier and crews have been allowing the flames to burn out. People living nearby were still being told to keep windows and doors closed because of the smoke. And the government's planning on launching an investigation into that major power cut which affected almost a million people across England and Wales. The blackout on Friday brought chaos on the railways, including to some southeastern services, or parts of Chatham and Gillingham were also left without electricity. Kent Online Sport. Football first and it was disappointment for Gillingham at the weekend as they lost their first home game of the new season. They were beaten 2-1 by Burton Albion at Priestfield on Saturday. Assistant manager Paul Rayner spoke to us after the game. Not happy with it at all, as you can imagine. Um, second best all over the pitch. You've got to give, uh, you've got to give Burton Albion a lot of credit. They were nice, nice and well organised. They were solid. Um, 
they hurt us in areas that uh, that we didn't do things well enough. We didn't track our runners well enough. We didn't win enough second balls, and we were second best unfortunately all over the pitch. So you've got to give it credit to them, but also. Uh, a lot of that was down to us. You know, we didn't do our jobs properly. We, uh, the basics weren't there. Our composure on the ball wasn't there. You know, we didn't retain the ball well enough at all. So um, without the ball, you, know, you can struggle to uh, to create chances and opportunities. And it was uh, it ended up a scrappy game for us. You know, that the, 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 the they they really controlled for large periods, and uh, and that's a disappointment. We just lacked intensity. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see me on the sideline trying trying to get us get us going, trying to you know. Up the tempo, you know that's how we want to play. That's how we played at Doncaster. You know we played particularly well first half with real intensity, real pace, real power. You know, even Nigel said it prior to the game. You know he was concerned about our pace and our power, but uh, they dealt with it quite easily because we didn't have any pace, we didn't have any power. The intensity was dropped. You know from uh, from what we expect. And as I say, we were second best all over the pitch. You know, uh, their, their two centre halves had a comfortable afternoon. Our centre half certainly didn't. It was always going to be a slightly scrappy game in terms of the conditions and, and, and the wind, etc. It was never going to be, a, you know, a, a classic football match. It was always going to be scrappy. But they dealt with the conditions much better. You know, uh, their decision making was much better than ours. You know, they were they were quite composed in their in their possession when they got a chance to do it. As I say, we, we made a number of, of, of poor decisions. You know, we took the easy option towards the end there by playing long balls up to Mika. You know, out of desperation more than anything, when you know sometimes just get that extra pass off, get it a little bit wider, and put uh, more quality into the box. But it uh, you know it ended up the easy option was just hit the big man and uh, and play off the scraps. But uh, you know uh, that was never going to work. You know they were quite happy and dealt with it reasonably well. I feel sorry for everybody. I feel sorry for the supporters. I feel sorry for myself. I feel sorry, you know, for Jack because he shouldn't have that much to do. Yeah. He shouldn't, you know, he, he should have, you know, limited saves to make. He had far much to do. So, uh, albeit he did, uh, he did particularly well with doing uh, what he what he had to do. I really don't want to see Jack Bonham playing that well because he shouldn't really have that much to do. Yeah. Let's win. You know, today's disappointing. We've got to go and win the next football match, and that's and that's on, that's on Tuesday. But you know, that'll be tough. You know, Newport County, you're a very aggressive, you know, very forward-thinking team, put you under pressure, um, and it'll be a tough game for us. Uh, so we've got to bounce back. You know, it's it's about winning that next football match and putting a team out there that works works harder than it did today, keeps the ball better and creates more problems for the opposition, which we certainly didn't do today. Well, as Paul mentioned, the Jills are next back in action in the Carabao Cup tomorrow night when they take on League Two Newport County. And in cricket, Alan Donald is to leave Kent at the end of the season. The former South African fast bowler, whose assistant coach at the club, joined at the start of last season. He's described his time there as a great experience and hugely rewarding. Kent are back in action in the T20 Blast on Wednesday. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day and overnight, don't forget, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.